Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. With an eating disorder. In today's episode, she and I talk about her book, Do You See What I See? That not only tells the tale of her ups and downs on her road to recovery, but it's also an interactive workbook of personal reflections, strategies, and tools for anyone suffering from an eating disorder. For more information about Faith, please visit faithalicia.com. That's F-A-I-T-H-E-L-I-C-I-A.com. You may also purchase her book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Being aware of your self-perception. When we do something that we're really proud of, we feel incredibly good. We enjoy celebrating our wins. However, what happens if we do something that we're not too proud of? Well, obviously, we don't feel too good about ourselves. But did you realize that usually how we perceive ourselves is based on our mood? If you're in a great mood, it's easy to point out the things you like about yourself. If you're in a sad mood or an angry mood, the likelihood of you being able to find something that you really like about yourself would be pretty slim. That's why it's so important to be mindful of how you think about yourself and what you say about yourself when you're in a negative mood. What I mean by that is this. Life happens to all of us. And when it does happen to us, however we perceive that event to be and then turn our thoughts towards ourself, that external events can often dictate how we feel about ourselves. Let's say you have to give a presentation at work and you prepare it all night. You get up there and you present and you do really well. Your self-esteem or your self-perception is going to be that you're a great speaker, that you are prepared, and that you are up for the challenge. However, let's say the same thing happens. You prepare all night, you get up there to speak, and the projector doesn't work, or people don't respond to your questions. At the end of it, your perception of self may be a little bit different. You may think that you didn't speak well at all. You might think that people didn't appreciate your topic. What's different? The only thing that would be different would be based on the external circumstances, which influence how you saw yourself or how you showed up. That's why it's so important to be aware of how you think about yourself when you're doing something. If you pay attention to your thoughts and the thoughts are pretty negative about yourself, ask yourself, what just happened? Because if an event happened that changed your mood and then you thought about yourself, that previous event is going to influence how you see yourself. And since it influences you, The truth of that is probably not what you think. So that's why it's so important to guard your thoughts. When you pay attention to what you're thinking about, and if it's negatively influencing you, you immediately have to stop and recognize that you're being influenced by something else. Ask yourself, have I done the same event or have I done something similar before? And what was the outcome? How did I feel about myself? If you can use your previous experience to remind you that you're really proud of yourself for something else you've done before or for an accomplishment you did or for how you look, what's the likelihood that you've changed so much 
that what was true before is now not true. Another example would be, have you ever gotten ready to go out? And you look in the mirror and you think, oh my gosh, I look amazing. And you're really proud of yourself because you like how you look in the mirror. Now, 10 minutes later, somebody could say something to you, perhaps comment on your outfit. And all of a sudden you look in the mirror and think, oh my gosh, maybe they're right. Maybe I don't look that good. Unfortunately, we as humans are easily influenced by our surroundings and by external events. When you can be mindful of who you truly are, whether the world approves of you, whether they don't approve of you, whether things go your way or things don't go your way, you won't be swayed by external factors. You are an amazing, wonderful person. The more you can remind yourself of that, regardless of what happens in life, you'll be able to find the self-confidence, the fortitude to accomplish what you set your minds to. Be kind to yourself. I have a great interview today with Faith Alicia. Her self-perception was greatly influenced by an eating disorder. If you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, please seek treatment with a licensed medical provider. Your self-perception may be negatively impacting your health. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio show or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock. The do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Faith Alicia, who suffered for many years with an eating disorder. In today's episode, she and I talk about her book, Do You See What I See?, that not only tells the tales of her ups and downs on a road to recovery, but it's also an interactive workbook of personal reflections, strategies, and tools for anyone suffering from an eating disorder. Welcome to my show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am honored. Uh, My listeners don't know this, but this is her first appearance. So welcome to Lifeology. We are so excited that you're here. You have so much to teach us. And so I just want you to relax because you're going to do amazing. (laughs) Well, congratulations, first off, on the publication of your book. It was just published. So that is absolutely wonderful. How does it feel to to see your book in print? I love it. I'm actually a romance writer as well. Oh, okay. So this is, yes, so, <laughs> so this is very new for me to um, yeah. venture into the nonfiction world and actually put my, my story out there because yeah. for many years I shelved this, just mm-hmm. a lot of shame and just not ready to take the leap. Yeah. And, and that happens for a lot of people, especially when eating disorders or, or many, many body dysmorphic type of disorders. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the other really cool thing I learned about you as well is we are neighbors. I had no idea that you were this close to me in Florida. So that's kind of cool. We'll have to we'll get together for coffee sometime with a mask, of course. <laughs> yes. So for nine years now, since the time of this recording, you struggled with an eating disorder. 
Would you be willing to talk about your journey, how it started, the highs and lows, and then we'll transition into the book? Sure, of course. I do believe it started in my 20s, but it just wasn't to the point of I was able to function with them. So it was like a Mm -hmm. functional eating disorder. Mm -hmm. After the birth of my third child, the stress was overwhelming. I have a full-time job and just managing everything. I had postpartum. I also have an anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. And I went to a psychiatrist who specializes in anxiety. But what was slowly happening was it was morphing into an eating disorder. Okay. And... It just kept becoming, well, on the scale, and well, when it gets to this point, then there's an issue. But then when it gets to that point, no, when it gets to this point. Mm. And finally, he told me, you know, I treat anxiety disorders. I don't treat eating disorders. And he released me as a patient. Devastation. Yeah. How was that? I was going to say that because here, here yeah. you're, you're thinking one thing, like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then to hear a, a licensed professional say that to you, I mean, then it's, you can't you can't hide it anymore. I don't, I mean, I'm always honest with the professionals that are helping mm-hmm. me. So I, I never I mean, I, yeah. came back. Sure. I, yeah. I think it was fear. Mm-hmm. It was more like I've just bared my whole life to you, and now you're like you're yeah. throwing me out. But he mm. did the greatest gift because I did see a therapist at the same time, and mm. she was having me come in three times a week, and but not addressing the eating disorder, which is why yeah. I feel it's very important when yes. you have an eating disorder to see someone that has certification in eating disorders. Correct. Because Correct. It's, its own little mess. Yes. And she really enabled it. So I, the psychiatrist sent me to another psychiatrist Mm -hmm. who specializes in that. I I just wasn't big on him and I decided I I need help. So my mother made calls and I went for an interview and I started treatment three days later. Wow. Was it a residential treatment? It was outpatient because I had my youngest was little at the time. So I still have to be mom and work Mm -hmm. and all that. So I would go in the day and then I was home at night with the kids. And I actually went to treatment two times. So yeah, Yeah. which is, which is pretty. Yes. It's, um, I just stress, hence my, my Christian gray beer, that it's not black and white, that there's many shades of gray and eating disorders are just up and down. And so I went to treatment twice and it's okay. Yeah, of course it is. And I thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it's, it's, your journey is very powerful. And I know in this, this episode is going to reach so many people. I know for me as a licensed psychotherapist, I, I've worked with many different people and different types of individuals. And I've always referred out for eating disorders because it is, like you said, it's a whole, you have to be specialized in that. It's because a lot of the treatment modalities that work for other things, it's, it's a, it's a whole ball of wax, if you will. And so I, I'm so glad to hear that that you also, as an advocate for this, know that you have to find someone who specializes in that. Even if, you know, I was trained in it, but I'm not, I don't specialize in it. So we took classes in it. But once again, I'm so glad to hear that you were able to find um, the, the help that you need. With So there are different types of eating disorders. May, would you be comfortable telling us which, which type you had? Sure. Um, anorexia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's... I got to a very low birth weight. Mm-hmm. I got to a very low body weight. Mm-hmm. I went to support groups for many years for mm-hmm. women with eating disorders. 
And I guess the reality was when one of the women in the group died. Oh, my gosh. And then it's like, so okay, so this is not a joke. Yeah. I don't want to die. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's easy when, well, that'll never happen to me. Mm-hmm. But when you see it happen to someone you know, yeah, yeah it hits home. Not a joke. Yeah. From that moment, and I'm so sorry for the family who lost, family and friends who lost that, that, that person. Was that the moment for you that says, I really need to be buckled down even more? Do you know it was not? The mm. eating disorder is very manipulative and conniving. Yeah. I real, you know, I come from, uh, I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So there okay. was addiction, alcoholism mm-hmm. in my family. I tend to view my recovery as a one day at a time that mm-hmm. I just have to be aware of it. Because like it, yeah. like any addiction, it can just come back in. So, you know, I could identify, and I'm so sad about this girl. But in a few days later, Ed comes right back in. Ed is yeah. how I refer to my eating disorder. And just go back right in old behaviors. The yeah. second time I went to treatment, I'm going to say the most growth has happened in the last two years. Really? So what happened? I really, even after both rounds of treatment, even in treatment, I can tell you that an eating disorder is very conniving. Yes. And I could just do things how I want them, but make it seem like I'm doing it your way, but I'm really doing yeah. it Ed's way. Yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. it's, you have to really be ready. And the therapist that I started with right before treatment and continued with, she actually, she specializes in eating disorders she has just pushed me to go deeper than I've ever gone. And I could say mm. I've been in therapy for 30 years. Wow. She has, I don't know. It's just, I started doing, I went to the mindfulness-based stress mm-hmm. reduction. Mm-hmm. I, I just, after that, I, I can't live like this anymore. That's how I felt with this yeah. anxiety and this eating disorder running my life. Just tired. How and did it affect just, your parenting? I was always open with my kids uh-huh. when I went to support groups because I think it's important uh-huh. that they know mommy's trying to get help. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide it because I was 16 when I learned my father was an alcoholic. Mm. So for half my life, I just think my dad's raving lunatic. Mm-hmm. All dads are evil and yell at people. And he did find AA, but I learned from that. It's very important for my kids to know. Yeah. That, you know, when you have an issue, you get help with it. Yes. So that's awesome. my kids are very supportive. Yeah, very that's great. supportive. Congratulations. Let's transition into your book. Uh, do you see what I see? What was the name? I mean, I, for me, I understand as a clinician, but why, what, what was the title? What, what does that mean to you? So, uh, hold on. so do you yes, see please. what I see? Mm-hmm. So when I was in treatment, mm. we did art therapy. My yes. first round of treatment. Uh-huh. And I, I really thought it was like BS at the beginning. I say that in the book. I'm like, what the hell is this? But it turned out to pretty much be this book. Yeah. Over nine years of writing. When wow. I first entered treatment, the art therapist, she had me draw a picture of how I thought I looked. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, it's all against the wall. And then she traced me. Oh, she traced you. Oh, goodness. So wow. my lines were very different from her oh, lines. Oh, goodness. That's powerful. Oh, my gosh, Faith. My body dysmorphia was at just 
the perception was so wrong. Mm -hmm. I told her, that's not right. You're wrong. Please do it again. I think she did it three times because I kept saying, you're wrong. You're not tracing it right. It was very hard for me to fathom that I was that thin. I didn't mm. see it. And actually, the really cool thing is in the back of the book, I have, I see what I see. Because oh, today, wow. thank God, yes. I, I've i done the tracing again. Just I had my husband like hold it up. I just know what I look like today. Uh -huh. So I, I see what I see. And, and wow. that's where it came from, just because it's, everyone can tell you, you look a certain way, but it's mm -hmm. how you see yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't see myself. And today I see so much more than what I see in the mirror. And this has been a lot of work, yes. but so worth it. I can't stress it enough. So, so worth it. Uh, congratulations. That makes, that warms my heart to hear that that's, that you, that you have the awareness and you see yourself as you truly are a, a beautiful woman. The, the whole aspect of the workbook, tell me more about that. So it's a highs and lows for you. And then just the workbook itself. So someone, uh, because we know men suffer from eating disorders as well. So men and women reading this, what, walk me through the process for them. When I first entered treatment, we were mm -hmm. told um, to read two books. Okay. One is The Four Agreements, which I think is like one of the greatest books ever. Did you know that he was on my show? Have you, did you watch that? Oh with John Miguel Ruiz? <laughs> I have to watch that. He's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing. Love He's him. He's fantastic. Yeah. So what I found was the books I was reading, everyone was like recovered. Uh -huh. And oh, for me, it was like, well, I'm never going to get that. That yeah. is so far away. So I had to start looking at it as I'm in recovery. It's, you know, for me and everybody has to view their eating disorder as it is. Whatever helps you to recover, that's amazing. For me, I view it as an addiction. It's a one day at a time process, just like my dad who went to AA and my sister who went to NA. I work at this one day at a time. Yes. So I felt with the workbook, there was nothing out there. It was all like somebody's story. And I, as I was writing this, I'm like, wouldn't it be amazing if we had something that was we, not me? Because mm -hmm. I do view recovery, it's a we thing. I can't do yes. this alone. Correct. I need support of others, my therapist, you know, my support. So it's a we process. So I thought a book that is we would be helpful because you're not alone. Yeah. And the key for this is you're not alone. We all have these feelings. It's scary. It's up and down. And just putting myself out there at my lowest, mm -hmm. just for others to identify that you're not alone. I honestly thought I was different. Nobody could feel the amount of anxiety that I have inside yeah. on a daily basis. There's no way nobody could feel like me. It's a very selfish you know, addiction, Mindset. like any addiction, sure, yeah. mm -hmm. self-absorbing. Yes. But we're not alone. And I love the fact that you, you normalize that because there's nothing new under the sun. We all have something. And so there's the recognition that on the spectrum of life, we also have a struggle somewhere or many struggles somewhere. And there's also 
there's also when you can put a name to it, then it removes the the power of what that is because now like oh this is an eating disorder oh this is body dysmorphia oh this is anxiety and so when you can see what it is then it doesn't have that power and so that's the beautiful thing about your book is it really like you said it really normalizes it but it also helps people walk through the process as if someone was in it as opposed to the other side and I think that's great because the other side is always going to come but you can't get to the other side unless you start where you are today. And so just like you said, every moment is an opportunity to decide what's healthiest for me. It's not what's better or worse. It's what's healthier for me right now. Who I am tomorrow, I'm going to have different opportunities to make different choices. So in this moment, I can be the healthiest I am now. And in this moment, I can be the healthiest I am now. And so that's the recognition that we don't have to think further out than the moment because in the moment, that's sometimes all we can handle. So I'm so glad to hear that your book addresses the the complexity of it, but also gives them a lot of different tools and techniques to be able to overcome their eating disorder. Walk me through some of those techniques. I know you've gone through a lot and you're talking about mindfulness. What were some of the things that you have in your book? The key one, the first thing that really got me like on this healthier journey was the mindfulness-based stress reduction, Mm -hmm. the eight-week course. Mm -hmm. Going back to what you just said, you know, when you're stuck in the grips of an eating disorder mm-hmm. and someone's like, well, just eat your lunch, make the next right choice. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so brutally hard to yes. do that because the eating disorder voice is it's just screaming Pervasive. in your head. It's it's awful. So to just take a step, it's just so scary. Yeah. So mindfulness was I think my first step of, you know what? I'm not worried about lunch right now because right now mm-hmm. I'm sitting with you. Yes. So I'm in this moment. I'm safe. You know, it's moment by moment. Yes. And I just, when the mind starts, because my mind loves to project, we come back into this moment. Yes. So it started with the mindfulness. And I remember we had to watch videos and one was by Shauna Shapiro. Uh-huh. Um, psychologist, uh-huh. and she said, "What you practice grows stronger." Yes. And I just kept telling myself that, "What I practice grows stronger." If I keep practicing negative thinking, feeding into the eating disorder, it's going to keep getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I practice, okay, I'm in this moment, yeah. just for right now. I can take a deep breath. It, it really was very helpful for me at the beginning. And I, I loved it. So then from that, I went to the eight-week self-compassion class, the Kristen Neff course. I threw myself into just classes to learn. Yeah. And the psychologist teaching neuroplasticity and like what I can change my brain, magic. Yes. Because I really thought that I'm stuck like this for the rest of my life. And I think I was surviving and not living. Yeah, I, the, the, recognize that the emotional forecasting. So that's what we call it in psychology is you take the, the quote negative feelings you're feeling right now and you project out in the future and say, this is how it's always going to be. And that's one of the cognitive dissonances or in other words, a thinking error that we all have. So a thinking error is essentially uh, kind of like the, a, a lens you put over your thought and your perception and that becomes your reality. And so there are actually 15 common thinking errors and one of those is emotional forecasting. And so I feel it therefore must be true. It must always be this way. And that's something that we all struggle with at times. The what would Let me back up. So what would be the one today that you practice all the time that really stood out for you that, that helps you the most? Meditation. Meditation. 
but meditation didn't come easily at first. I actually just wrote an article and it's, you know, small steps leading to recovery milestones. Mm-hmm. It started with the mindfulness and then we built on self-compassion. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, and then I took a six-week happiness mindfulness class, <laughs> met these wonderful <laughs> ladies because I'm very kind of introverted shy. Uh-huh. So I'm not, I, I keep to myself as a writer. Yeah. Like I'm very content just sitting here in my happy place doing my thing. <laughs> So Zoom has been wonderful. So I (laughs) stepped out of my comfort zone and created, like, we have a Monday night group with my happiness ladies. It's each thing building. And I look at myself like as a hybrid. So Mm -hmm. I have to recharge. So when I wake Mm -hmm. up, I have to meditate and get myself set. Because that old thinking is the first thing that's there Mm -hmm. when I wake up. It's just programmed. So I have to reset. And then the refueling with the mindfulness, self-care, absolute necessity. I used to think self-care meant selfish. No. Mm. Why can I take care of everyone in my family? What about me? I come first right now because I cannot take care of my family if I can't take care of myself. Correct. One thing I always tell people is you think of like when, when, you, when you fly, the mm-hmm. flight attendant will say, put your mask on first before you help anybody else. And that's how I look at life. A self-care is putting your mask on first. It doesn't mean it's an hour or four hours of doing something. It's just simple reset, reframe, put that mask on, and then you're able to help everybody else. And so I love to hear that when it comes to self-care, you have that awareness that in order to help your family and support and provide for your family, you needed to take that self-care. And that's, that's something we'll probably talk about later, uh, later on in the show. But I, um, I'm so glad to hear that. And I think that's something that many of us, whether, whatever we struggle with, don't do enough of that. And so, um, with the mindfulness aspect of it, the happiness aspect, of it, the self-compassion, all that is the mental reconstruction of how to learn, how to implement self-care. That's, um, I think that's a really powerful technique that everyone, I think, listening should look more into and figure, how, figure out what that is. And obviously, they can learn about it in your, in your book as well. What's next for you? Yeah. What's next for me? Yeah. More romance. <laughs> my, my happy place. I love it. Uh, you know, that's my funny. father passed away three years ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. And he was in AA for many, many years. And his, he was so of service. So I never thought that I would have full love for him, forgiveness, Mm -hmm. and he had Alzheimer's. And his last year of life, my biggest thing was to have complete love and forgiveness for my father. Oh, wow. I mean, even to hug him was hard for me. And I did. Mm. And it's just pure love. I have pure love for my dad. He did the best he could with with what he learned from his parents. Sure. And I just think it's important that we're not the trauma we come from, from our past. Like we can break free of that. Yes. It doesn't have to hold us back as bad as it is. And to, if I could give anything today, it's what you practice grows stronger. I keep brainwashing myself with these new things. Be in the moment. We drove to Orlando this weekend. My husband was a little moody driving because our <laughs> older son was following us. I honestly put on, a 10-minute meditation in the car, like, that's self-care. Yes. It's become Uh habitual that, oh, this is affecting me. I need to do this. Keep practicing and practicing. It becomes the norm. Yes. And when it feels good, I want more. I love that. 
And that most people don't know this, but it actually takes 66 times for something for us to do something to become a habit. So you've practiced this so many times and now it's habitual for you. And it's the same type of thing when it comes to our thought structures, whatever we think about, just like, uh, just like you learned, the more we think about something, the more we train ourselves to think about something. And so if we don't want to think about something, you change the habit and think about something else. And I know I, that sounds trivial, and it is in the way I said it because it takes a lot of work. But once you get the concept down, just like you've done, you are, you're able to move yourself in the direction that's healthiest for you. With that in mind, I had such a wonderful time talking with you today. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. If my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, Do You See What I See? Where will they find this information online? So the book is on Amazon. We have ebook, black and white, and color. Also at my website, faithalicia.com. I have a Facebook, Faith Alicia, and then on Instagram, it's Faith Alicia G. But it's also on really any platform. And Perfect. what I really like about it is it's an interactive workbook. So, uh-huh. you know, if you journal about something today, you can look back and do some, do another, the same exercise in a year and say, wow, look how much I've grown. Or, wow, look what I still need growth in. And none yes. of it's bad. Correct. We learn. Correct. We grow. Exactly. So it's no more black and white. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Faith Alicia, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. I had a, I, you inspired me and I learned a lot today. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so happy. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.